Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Creatable Future with Ryder Tracy, an education podcast for teachers that shines light on industry practice and connects it to the classroom. I'm Ryder Tracy, Head of Educational Transformation, and in today's episode I'll be talking with Sam Kozlowski, the co-founder of The Daily Oz. Welcome Sam, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, it's great to be on. So The Daily Oz is a, uh, a social-first news service that offers young Australians uh, an engaging way to connect with the news. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? And for those of us that um, maybe aren't as au fait with uh, Instagram and social media, just unpack how it works and what it's designed to do and uh, where you're at in the journey. So ultimately, the Daily Oz started because we saw a problem, and that problem was that 18 to 30-year-olds, that was the original age group we pursued, didn't have a news service that A, was addressed to them, but B, were in locations that they found relevant. So there was a little bit of news interaction on social media, but mostly it was news companies getting you to click out to another website. Um, And we thought that social media itself could be the end destination because what we know about young people is that they like to consume content in their natural environment. So why wasn't that the case on social media? And so what we did was we built originally a platform on social media that directly targeted them. It's now got a heap of high school followers as well, as well as people over 30. Um, We've got 350,000 readers in Australia. Uh, Now we also have two podcasts, a newsletter, a fully-fledged video team, um, and we're continuing this mission to explain and break down the news in a way that's not patronising. So, you know, we're, we're close to an election when we're recording this episode and there's a lot of confusing uh, terminology and big ideas. We're trying to break that down so that everybody has an entry point for the news. It's such a clear purpose, you know, and the evolution of it speaks to to the engagement that's there. I know uh, we went to record this yesterday and you were recording with Anthony Albanese leading into this. So, I mean, I think that speaks volumes of the the kind of traction that you're getting. From a, a teacher perspective, um, I'm really interested in that evolution. You've spoken to the podcast and the stories and the video team, you know, that's there now. In the classroom, you know, we're trying to I, I guess we're competing for that same engagement, you know, and your high school students can get accessible information so quickly and easily in other places. Have you got any advice for sort of me as a teacher trying to engage my students or engage that age bracket with these kind of big problems? Yeah, I think the key lesson to take out of the success of the Daily Oz is that is that young people enjoy being spoken to across from them. And what I mean by that is we get spoken down to a lot with big ideas. And we also get spoken up to a lot. And what I mean by being spoken up to is trying to be really cool to speak to young people. And it comes across just as as daggy and a bit try hard. And so what we think we have proven is that young people, when you speak across from them, when you give them the respect that they deserve, when you don't dress it up or down, but you actually just keep it real, they can really engage with topics that young people have considered by society to not engage with ever before you know the economy young people care and that's i think that's the key lesson it's it's fascinating to me the entry point like this entry point kind of concept you know it's it's such a great one i always feel like oh it's a big problem so i need like two hours to explain it you know and then i start on this big tirade and you can see people kind of glazing over like oh i don't need to know you know the 
200-year history of this event. I need to know what's relevant to it. How do you choose the amount of information to make it kind of, they know enough to engage, but not so much that it overwhelms? We really try and picture the conversations happening at dinner parties and at dinner tables or on first dates and all that kind of thing. Uh, And it's really important for us to be just really in touch with what's kind of the key four-minute bit. But what we can do is equip people with the right understanding and terms to be able to click on a link from another news company that's doing it better than we are and understand the first couple of sentences that gives them a sense that they're going to be okay to work through the rest of it. So if we stick with the economics example, interest rates went up last week. Now, that's a really important idea for a lot of people who have jobs and who have mortgages and who have bills to pay. Um, But the first step in understanding why that is significant is to understand what interest rates are and how they're set and who sets them. And all of those kind of like character items and plot lines that lie behind the big stories. So in an education context, it's really taking no assumes knowledge into the conversations. But again, doing that without making people feel silly. And that's that's the hard bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, because there's uh, so many of those topics that I don't know enough about that to have an informed position, therefore I'll disengage and step back. So I think that's a real art form that you've kind of perfected through there. I guess with such a huge following, like 350,000 uh, people following you, it's huge. I'm interested in your role, like in a world where there's kind of fake news and misinformation and um, kind of bias that's coming into the present information, how you feel about that responsibility, you know, communicating to that many people and try and ensure kind of a, a biased kind of objective entry point. It's a really, it's a pleasure to take that responsibility on, but it's a responsibility that we do think about every single day, almost every single hour and minute we think about that responsibility because I've heard a lot of anecdotal evidence, particularly from the kind of 16 to 25-year-old group, that we are the only news source that a lot of these people read. We did a poll of our audience and 70% of the audience said that the Daily Odds is their primary source of news. So it's a massive responsibility. The key pillar to our company that we think about is quality and accuracy. So we're not in a rush. We're not going to sprint out of the blocks to get something up first when it's had, you know, just happened. We'd rather wait, hold off a little bit and be totally correct. And so we have really, really stringent editorial guidelines and principles internally. Um, That means that nothing goes up if it's wrong. And trust in media has diminished a lot in the last 20 years. And People don't trust the news. People don't trust politics. uh, And there's good reason for all of that. And so we need to rebuild that by just being consistently right. Um, And hopefully, time after time, if we're correct, people will know that if we report it, it's true. And that's when you start to build that real sense of alliance with the media company. I mean, I will open the New York Times and know that what I'm reading is true. So it's just about building that right character. And the only way to do that is to be fact-checking rigorously. Oh, I love that. In in uh, a lot of education circles at the moment, uh, we're under pressure towards evidence-based or data-informed kind of activity that sits there. I find it um, really inspiring that if, if you can have the patience as a news outlet to be actually, we're not going to be first up, we're going to take the time to make sure this is right 
and then share it, you know, aware of the consequences of sharing or acting on incorrect information. I think that's a pretty powerful lesson for us as, as teachers to, you know, look at it objectively. Well, credibility takes, you know, years and years to build and seconds to destroy. So if we put something out, we went too early on a car crash and called it a terror attack and it wasn't, that causes a lot of panic. It makes people jump to conclusions. It causes a lot of hate and social dysfunction and it might not be true. How does it work when you, um, because one of the things you've cultivated also is a great uh, kind of community you know, and there's a lot of fantastic dialogue and you utilise um, social media to its its limits by having that dialogue and conversation, multiple voices and agency for people to be able to express themselves. You know, there's sometimes there can be some like extreme views and reactions to things that hop on there. How do you manage that component? It's a really tricky one because another key way that the Daily Oz views the world is that we want to encourage healthy communication and conversation. Um, so we really very rarely will limit comments um, or moderate comments because we want our readers to engage with each other. Where that then crosses over is if the comments present a legal risk to us um, and there's really strict defamation laws in Australia. It's a very hazy ground that's been in front of the courts in the last 18 months or so about whether we as the publisher are responsible for the comments underneath our posts. But ultimately, we just want to protect the mental health of our readers as well. So we're constantly looking at the comment section, making sure that we're moderating anything that's totally derogatory or improper. Um, but for the most part, we're pretty free-flowing in, in what we'll allow. A good day for us, though, going back to that idea of impartiality and accuracy, a good day for us is when we get really abusive messages that tells us we're too far left and we're too far right. Right. <laughs> um, and that happens quite a lot. Yeah, it's a good uh, good barometer. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm interested in that because, um, you know, Instagram is one of the, the great pillars that you utilize really well. I'm sure when they designed Instagram, they probably didn't think, oh, this will be a really great way to get the news out. Yeah, they, uh, still, the they still don't. They still don't. <laughs> they still don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I'm interested in your observations over your time doing this in less about how the technology's evolved, but more how people's attitudes or the way they use social media has evolved? So I think uh, if we kind of take a macro look at it, we are definitely heading uh, fast in the direction of short form video as the main proponent of um, social media traffic, which is a shame because it's not necessarily what young people want. It's what they're told to consume. Um, and there's much more reliant on smart algorithms to deliver content that you haven't seen before. Um, so if you think about it like a, an old school kind of DVD store, it's not as much they, them wanting you to go to the shelf of the favorites, but them always plugging the new release. Um, and so that's kind of the, the direction that social media is heading in. We're definitely seeing kind of a convergence and social media platforms either flying or failing within the first six months um, of their release. So you really have about two months to, to either fly or, or you're not going to be used by young people. But Instagram does seem to be getting the most traffic now alongside TikTok. Um, TikTok is obviously just massive. What TikTok can't do is it can't deliver content in a chronological order. So it doesn't lend itself to being friendly to news platforms because, you know, our audience might see something from us from last last March that might just be going viral now for a different reason. So it's it's hard. It's hard as a news organization to correctly use 
TikTok. Instagram's definitely the easiest one, but I'm also seeing massive movements towards old school tech like newsletters and email. Um, that's now kind of really come back into the mainstream for young people um, who want a little bit more time to read and all that kind of stuff. And there are more and more young people who are choosing not to engage with social media. So we have to keep our eyes open for, you know, the growth of podcasting is massive. Um, interactive podcasting is on its way, kind of choose your own adventure technology with Spotify. They're rolling that out, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a fascinating time to be in the space. Yeah, it's, uh, it certainly is. We, um, uh, we're, we're working with Spotify at the moment, some of our uh, professional learning courses, and what they speak about is this idea of, I guess, fostering influence, like creating an environment where if you have a, a message, you know, that uh, you can connect through a variety of mediums in that kind of technology, humanity, creativity nexus um, to be able to really explore it. Totally. And I think that, you know, that the platform's, are becoming less platformy and more editorial. So they're taking a really hands-on role in in what sense of the environment they want to create. Because if you think back to the origins of Facebook, it really was just a computer program. It was a platform that you could do whatever you want with. And with Elon Musk's latest purchase of Twitter, it's almost going back to that. I mean, Elon Musk wants to have no regulation and and he doesn't want to have influence like you said that Spotify do. He wants it to be kind of just whatever people want and, and a really traditional town square. But that's a change. At the moment, we've got social media platforms like Spotify, um, which I would consider a social media platform, are really trying to um, curate and editorialize their environments, which is a fantastic opportunity for, for creators um, and educators. If, if platforms want to move more into education, then they're going to highlight those creators. It, it, do you think um, as we step into that sort of digital age even further, are there any skills, you've obviously navigated it incredibly successfully personally yourself, are there any skills either from yourself or that you've observed in others that you think would be um, valuable for educators to be fostering in the kids going through school today? I think there's, or I mean, I'm going to sound a little bit boring when I say this, but I think that the most underrated skill is being able to write really good copy. I think it's for too long, it's been kind of associated with essays and longer form writing, but being able to write really good short form content um, has so many uses. I mean, in pretty much any professional environment, you need to be able to write a really good short email. And that's a way to communicate your ideas, whether you're in a science field or construction, you know, whatever. You need to be be able to communicate in a short amount of words some really big ideas. And so I think our education system needs to highlight that more, you know. We're not talking about making everything an acronym here. But how do we communicate a really big idea in 300 words? Um, I think that's a skill that I've observed. I mean, we'll quickly make hiring decisions based on the contents of somebody's opening email. Um, and if we see bad punctuation or, you know, a failure to kind of keep a consistent tone, then that person's not the right fit for us because if they can't do that in an email, then how are they going to do it in front of a quarter of a million or 300,000 young Australians? I'm bullish on, on good grammar and good copy. And then I would just encourage every educator to be looking at multi-skill and multi-platform ways of communicating. I mean, everybody now can access podcasting. 
an audio recording. Um, I would have loved to be have to have done more audio stuff when I was at school. Um, I graduated ten years ago, so it's not that not that long ago. Everybody has access to Canva and graphic design technology. We don't have a graphic designer in our team. Every journalist is expected to be able to do their own graphic design, um, and so that kind of like again, you know, the convergence of skills is what I would be emphasizing in the classroom. Oh wow! Well, you're after uh, you know your audience. You're after every teacher's heart when you say you value uh, grammar. It's so important. It is so important. Yeah, you certainly. We all have that friend that. Uh, has an inability to use grammar and punctuation in their text that they send and oh, it's um <laughs> can lead to lots of confusion it also makes me think of one of my favorite quotes is uh that uh every novelist is a failed short story writer it's much harder it's much harder to deliver short form short form writing yeah oh most definitely most definitely i love that idea of convergence as well and you know i think he illustrated it really powerfully you know that uh you know if i wanted to pursue a career in journalism, um, I probably wouldn't think that like graphic design was, you know, necessarily going to be part of my remit, but my ability to be multidisciplinary is going to maybe make or break about whether I get the opportunity to share my messages. Really totally. Powerful. I, um, I'm actually in a lot of the Facebook teachers groups for English, particularly for English departments, because I always like to see kind of the state of how journalism and media is taught um, and I'm seeing the daily Oz being used more and more in the classroom, actually. So, you know, students are being asked to create carousels like a daily Oz post. Um, and then they're asked to listen to our podcast that we release every morning when we break down one big idea a day um, and use that as inspiration to break down another big idea. And I think like bringing in a relevant young media brand like us could be a really helpful way to, to show you're cool, but also to show that you, you highlight quality. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot to be said for leveraging um, what's already, like you said, meet people where they're at and the mediums that they're in and being able to leverage that. I'll um, I'll have to live um, vicariously and be cool by association because I don't think I can pull it off. <laughs> Neither. I'm, I'm, I'm just riding on the team's coattails. <laughs> yeah, surround yourself with good people. That's the only way. Exactly. <laughs> um, I did have one last question. You kind of touched on it in the, the, the last one. I'm interested kind of from an age perspective, you know, some of those, you know, skills are easier maybe to apply at the the latter end of our formal schooling, you know. So I'm interested in sort of if you think at that foundational level, that 10-year-old level, if you have any advice around kind of consuming uh, particularly audio mediums, you know, at, at that sort of age. Do you think that's uh, relevant still at that age? And is there a lot of kind of content out there that's relevant too? I mean, definitely. There's um, the key thing to think about with that age is always just the kind of severity of the content and, and what we're talking about that day. And I wouldn't want, you know, somebody in year five to be listening to um, the news from Queensland about how, you know, there's new sexual assault reforms um, to protect women who die in domestic violence. That, that kind of stuff doesn't seem necessary to be, to be teaching at such a young age um, when it can be taught in a different way through understanding respectful relationships and, and a different way into the issue. There's a great podcast um, produced called The Squiz Kids and that's by the Squiz team and they do a podcast every morning for young school students and they've got all of those kind of like content filters in mind obviously they're doing an amazing job um, and they're the first to really enter into that space 
as a 10 year old, I was unbelievably curious about the news. Um, and so it wouldn't have worked if my parents tried to shield too much because I would just, I was a bit weird, but I would pick up the newspaper and just read it, you know, in that kind of year five space. So then with that type of student, it's all about just answering as many questions as possible because the more that a student would feel like they can't ask the important questions that come out of that, um, the harder that kind of learning and news experience is going to be. The last point I would say is highlighting good news. There's plenty of things to be happy about. I mean, we do one good news story every single day. Um, So in five years, we've done, you know, over 2,000 good news stories. There's always people in the world doing incredible things um, and helping young people understand that the news is not just a nightmare um, builds that relationship from a very young age. I think that's a really powerful message. And I I think... um... It is very easy to become overwhelmed, particularly in recent years with some of the severity of some of the events that have been closer. So that good news message is, um, is one I think that we can all benefit from. Sam, thank you so much for your time today. I know uh, how valuable your time is and how much is on your plate. I really appreciate talking to you. I've learned a lot um, and look forward to seeing more of the stuff that you do into the future because it's amazing and incredible. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Speaking with Sam today reinforced how much impact you can have with clear purpose and a good execution. I couldn't agree more with him uh, when he says effective short form communication is really important and that you have to get the grammar right. It was pretty interesting to me that he had a diverse skill set and that that convergence of skills led to the people that he employed. I think there's a lesson to be learnt for me about the way the Daily Oz is really patient. They take the time to put the correct information out. Sometimes I feel a lot of pressure, and I'm sure many of you do too, to react really quickly, but it's often better to be right than fast. Thanks for listening to Creatable Future. Leave us a review and let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, and what you'd like more of. Reviews help us reach more listeners so that we can keep bringing you more awesome conversations. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep up to date with each episode as they come out. If you want to hear more about how Creatable is connecting schools with industry through our professional learning library, head to creatablefuture.com. This episode was recorded on Darawal and Darug country. Catch you next week.